Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited today to be joined by Tracy Murphy, um, who for the past 20-something years has been a phenomenal working makeup artist and who is also now the founder of Lash Star Beauty. Hi, Tracy. Hi, good morning. How are you? I am good. I am suffering from allergies today. How are you feeling? Me too. So I, I might be sneeze, sneezing in this um, call, but that's okay. Okay. So if you sneeze, I'll cough, and then everyone will know it's springtime in New York. So welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Our listeners are curious about the career path and journeys of executives in the beauty industry and not the, like, shiny, pretend PR version of the story that we hear a lot, but something really honest. Um, And I think you have an incredibly interesting story to tell. We're so excited for you to be here. I'm so, so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much. I mean, if anyone wants to learn about makeup and lashes and business, I'm, like, thrilled to talk about it because it's, you know, it's been a journey as a as as you know, women in business in general is is um, intense. So um, if we're helping anyone, that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I think what people get out of the show and people of all different stages in their career, you know, some people, it makes them feel better. Like, oh, this is hard or I'm scared. And then they hear people who are doing it say, yeah, this is hard <laughs> and I'm scared. And I think it's, um, you know, it's comforting because we just, we see so many like, picture-perfect stories, and yeah, I started my company, and then I made a billion dollars, and everything's so easy, and that's just, it's just not the reality, um, but it messes with our heads when we think it is. Right, and I, I think there's something about also the shiny, perfect life of, um, you know, your curated Instagram story. I mean, we all do it. I mean, I, I like taking pictures of beautiful things, but the, the hard times, you can't really photograph that. Well, you can, but people don't really share that. And it's not, it's not really real. And I think, I don't want to get too far away from the subject matter, but I think in general, this idea that, like, it's really easy to do just because social media makes it seem that way, it's totally not, that's totally not the story. So it's interesting we're moving away from that, you know, having real conversations. So podcasts like this are very important, I think. Well, um, I can't wait to jump into your story, and I really want to go back in time because you told me this incredible story about um, wanting to be a makeup artist as a teenager and wanting to pursue that, but thinking that your only opportunities were to work in the mall. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the mindset of a teen who's interested, um, you know, 20 years ago in being in this business and the lack of opportunities that seemed to be in front of you at that time? Um, sure. I, I, um, yes. For, so as long as I can remember, I was obsessed with magazines and makeup and beauty and like makeovers. And I, I don't know, I just loved it. Just that's all I thought about. My walls were covered in pictures of models and art and all this kind of stuff. And when I, when I was 11, I made my first magazine called Eleven Teen, and it was before oh. and afters and uh, me and my friends. It's hysterical. I still have it. And then by 12 teen, I was just behind the scenes. I just took pictures of my friend. So from that young age, it really, I loved it so much. And um, my parents were super generous and encouraged it. My mom's a painter and I, they, you know, they had no idea that there was a career in makeup artistry. I didn't know I could do that either. But um, 
Sassy Magazine came out, and that was like a revolutionary publication for, you know, young girls because it talked, it wasn't like your mom's, like 17 was like your mom's kind of version of how you should be a teenager. This was like mm-hmm. written by kids in their early 20s. It felt very punk rock. It was very like your older, like your bad older sister telling you all like this, you know, good advice. Um, not your bad older sister, your rebel older sister telling you all this great advice. And so they had their first ever reader-produced issue, and I about lost my mind. I was like, oh, my God, I can I can do makeup on people, and it's going to end up in the magazine? Like, that, that's what I – I was like, I didn't understand that was like a job. So I, mm-hmm. I sent in – it was the last week of high school, and instead of studying for, for um, the test and, like, doing all my, you know, big reports, I just did this crazy, um, like long week long shoot. I shot all my friends, my mom, family, everyone before and after pictures of my room and my art and all this kind of stuff. And I sent it into Sassy and, um, and I won the contest. And so it was so insane, Tracy, like as a kid, I would have entered contests or like called in for radio contests. Remember like calling in to like be the number of whatever caller and like no one ever won. And here you are someone that, you know, won. That's insane. It, 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 it totally blew my mind. But I also remember my dad saying, well, what if you don't win? And I was like, oh, I'm going to win. And he kept, he was like, but what if you don't? And I was like, I, what is he talking about? I'm going to win. I just was so, like, dumb and 17. And I was like, I want this so bad, so I'm going to have to win it. But I did. I, I, I won it. And it totally it was incredible. I met all these amazing people. And um, Andrea Lynette was one of the... Um, editors and she like lives down the street from me now we're friends she's my neighbor and it's to, to, when I see her I'm still like she's the cool like girl at sassy you know and I get like a little bit nervous but um, <laughs> so yeah so that was a really great opportunity and um that's when I connected the dots and I was like oh I can do this this is like a real job I don't have to work at the mall like because I always like the artistry part of it I like the creative part of it I didn't like the, like the people, no, everyone needs their mall makeup artist, but I just felt like I wanted to do it differently. So it was really exciting when that happened. Um, I I think that this is so exciting because through Safety you saw like a whole new world. And that I think at that time, you know, 20 years ago, we, we didn't know what those jobs were, right? Like we didn't know there were creative director jobs, hairstylist jobs, makeup artist jobs, all these behind-the-scenes jobs, making, you know, commercial work and editorial work. It just wasn't, like, as revealed, you know, um, as it is now. So I just love thinking about how this sassy opportunity, like, gave you the vision for a career beyond, you know, what you already knew, you know, living in Michigan. Yeah, it was it was pretty next level. And at the, and at the, um, at the sassy contest, met all these other winners, and they were all like other teenagers. And there was um, a photographer there who I wasn't on his week shoot. I was on, there were two shoots and I was on a week long shoot with a different photographer. But he said, I go to this school called FIT. You should go there. And I was like, what's that? You know, I'm from Flint, Michigan. Like I have no idea what FIT is. And and then I found out it was the Fashion Institute of Technology. And then that's where I ended up going to college. And that's where I met all these amazing friends. And that like formed my whole, that formed everything for me, you know, to this day. And um, how was your family in this time? You know, here you go, 
off to New York to um, have this experience at SASE, meet people, ultimately say, I want to go to New York for college. Were they uh, supportive? Were they confused? You know what? They were very supportive. My, um, my mom's from Cleveland, but her sister and brother both live out here in New York, um, in, in like Connecticut and like upstate New York. So she kind of felt like, oh, she, there's family nearby if anything happens. And I mean, I know it seems insane. And I, looking back, I'm like, I was living in New York City when I was 18 years old, like, do, like in the dorms, like going to the limelight. And it was crazy. <laughs> but, I, but for my parents, I think they, they just thought, oh, she's like in the dorms and family's close by. So it was like fine. But um, I, I'm not like a totally insane person. So I was, I was, you know, very Midwestern and I was, you know, kind of scared, but, um, it was fabulous. It was amazing. And all the most amazing people, um, you know, we would get dressed up and go to the clubs and we weren't anyone, but they would let us in because we like made the effort to, you know, to dress up. It was really fun. Do you feel like you made, um, you took advantage, do you feel like you took advantage of that time being so young in New York? Um, or do you feel like you weren't like ready to be yourself yet? Because um, New York, I feel like it's a complicated place. There's so many opportunities, there's so many things around, but yet it's because there's so many things it becomes overwhelming. Um, and I think when I was younger in my early twenties, I like, you know, I stayed in my lane and I just didn't know how to veer out of the lane to try a lot of new things. Were, were you very comfortable to do that at that time? Well, I always knew I wanted to do makeup. So I, I just did it in the dorms. We would, I would do like photo shoots or like tests for actors or whatever. I mean, it, the the fo- the focus of makeup was always my number one priority. And so I, so no, I, I, I mean, I would go out and do lots of different things, but my love was always um, makeup. And I always came, I never steered away or veered away from that. And was it hard for you to make opportunities beyond, you know, doing makeup on your friends in the dorms at that age? Like, were you able to make connections with working makeup artists or, you know, get jobs or internships? How did you navigate that? So I did, yeah, I had an internship actually at Sassy. So that was great. So I worked Mm. at Sassy. The internship was like supposed to be two months, but I worked there for a year for free because I just wanted to be there so badly. I just wanted like, so they, they like couldn't get rid of me. And so um, I just stayed working with Sassy and doing stuff in the dorms. Plus I was going to college full time and I had a job. And so um, it was, it, it kind of all, you know, worked itself out. And I think one, one big thing is I would do everyone's makeup before we'd go to the club. So my mm-hmm. friend Chucky, who is now like a famous hairdresser, he'd do their hair. I would do their makeup and someone would like make the outfit and then we'd go to the club. So it was, it was really fun. It was a great learning experience, you know, and it was like a little incubator for, for people in, in our jobs, you know, now. It's so awesome. You know, they make movies and books out of things like this. Midwestern girl goes to the big city, gets a cool job, meets right. a lot of interesting people. Right. And that's, um, you know, that's a great story. Um, it's sort of story bookish, right? The fact that you were able to make it happen. Yeah. I feel, I feel very, 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 very lucky. So if, can you walk us through a little bit about how you transitioned from, you know, being in school and working with your friends to actually like having a job and a career um, as a working makeup artist? 
Sure. Yes. Thanks. Um, so basically, I, fi- I finished FIT, and um, there was an opportunity to get a work visa to live in Europe. So I lived in, I moved to London for about a year, and it was probably the only year that was a little bit. I was still kind of doing makeup stuff, but I worked at a record store, and kind of just it was my first like European experience. So it was really exploring and like traveling, and I had a really great time. And when I got home, I'm like, okay, that playtime is over. I need to focus. So I got a, I inter- interviewed for a job at Mademoiselle Magazine, and um, I was assisting this stylist, Kim Meehan, who, like, our first job was, like, producing a shoot for Madonna. And I was like, yeah. I thought I was going to, I thought I was going to die because Madonna called one day to ask to speak to Kim. And I answered the phone, and she was like, Hi, Madonna. And I, re- I remember being like, I'm officially <laughs> pass out. And I just was like, I just spoke to Madonna on the phone. But Kim wasn't there. And I'm like, oh, can you call her back or whatever? Um, but anyway, so this woman, Kim, was so great. She said, I think you should interview at Mademoiselle Magazine. My friend, you know, works there. So I went for the interview, and then I didn't get the job. And then I was so bummed out because I was like, oh, it'd be so great to work at a magazine. I always love magazines. And so... um about two weeks later, they called me and they're like, actually, you just get the job. And then I realized when I got the job, the reason there's a, they hired someone else, but she quit because the job was so hard. It was like torture, but I learned so much. And I was working 12 hours a day. I was making $21,000 a year. I had a twitch in both eyes. I mean, <laughs> I was like, I, I was just, it was so hard because my, my, I worked for a really intense woman that was, you know, no one could, no one would work with her because she was too crazy. And I was like, oh, I'll do it, you know. So, and um, and then my my other boss was uh, Anna Luisa uh, Herrera, Carolina Herrera's daughter. So she was this like wonderfully kind, generous woman who like bought me an air conditioner because I didn't have an air conditioner, and she just Aww. was like took me under her wing. She was so lovely. So I had these two different bosses and two different experiences, but. Um, but I worked for about a year and a half. I learned a ton. I worked in the fashion department in the market um, market department. So I would get all the clothes for the shoes. So I remember being like, I don't, I just don't like clothes this much. Like this is really interesting, but I'm, I, I don't, this is not my passion. Like I need to, I need to like get cracking on this makeup stuff. So I said, so I, so someone said, come to one of the shoots. And it was with, um, I'm spacing on her name. Um, this wonderful makeup artist who is working today. And it was a one day job, it was a weekend job. And I assisted her for two days. And Monday I walked in and I quit my job. And I was like, I am out of here. This is what I want to do is makeup, not, you know, get clothes. I don't like care that much about a skirt. I just don't. So, um, so I started, um, then that, that was when I just started assisting, calling, different agencies and you know this is the days of like carrying on a giant portfolio and like walking into offices and like trying to have a meeting and meeting people so through that and it was also a different time it was probably 1995 and so it was a different time in terms of there were just not that many people in the industry so there was a lot more opportunity I would just assist for free I would just do anything I would clean their brushes I would paint the toenails I would stand there and just get coffee, whatever they wanted, but I wanted to be on the photo shoot. So I assisted everybody under the sun, which was so great because I learned different techniques. Um, 
And, you know, I think one of the biggest things I learned was how to be on set and be with people because you're walking into this like Vogue shoot and there's Christy Turlington and I'm like, you know, freaking out, 21 years old, like freaking out and like seeing like how to behave and how you, you know, just be around these people and be around how to be creative and work with people. And so I learned a lot like that way, just kind of on the sidelines, you know, um, mm. and just working with different makeup artists and flying myself to Europe to do the shows and assisting different people. And it was so, it was just so great. I learned so much. I met so many wonderful people and through that, you know, I did that for a couple of years and then I really, really wanted this one agency because they had, they had Kevin Aquan and Dick Page and those two were like my favorite makeup artists. And so I got the they asked me to come to the agency, which was Jed Root, and I was with them for 20 years. So that was like, that really solidified me like, oh, I can do this. I have an agent now. I'm, you know, an adult. So I did that yeah. for about 20 years. I was with, they just recently closed, but I was with them for 20 years. Um, and I still assisted, you know, at the beginning, different people, but Dick Page ended up being my main person I would work with exclusively and... Um, so I learned a ton from him and he's just really fun and cool. We like all the same stuff like makeup and music. So it was just interesting. Um, and so many great opportunities. So, um, I'm getting so nostalgic talking about all this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I'd love to hear about, um, something that probably a lot of freelancers are thinking about, which is how you were able to kind of like, I guess, in your headspace and your emotions deal with a freelancer lifestyle because that's basically what you are, right? You're a, wor- a working makeup artist. You have a gig one day and a different gig the next. And right. um, you probably don't know, you know, sometimes what you're doing the next week until that week right. arrives. Um, you know, you, even I think people, you know, very advanced in their career, there's there's this kind of lack of rhythm to, you know, the I guess the only consistent thing is that it's inconsistent. <laughs> um, right. So scheduling, um, you know, I guess, you know, making sure that you get the job that you want to get. But, you know, with a freelance lifestyle comes comes things, right? It's like, are you getting paid on time? Are you mm-hmm. getting booked for the right job? Um, mm-hmm. How do you deal with that from, like, a kind of emotional headspace perspective? Oh, it's it's an emotional roller coaster, and it never, ever stops. It never stops. And, you know, part sometimes I'm like, why didn't I just get an office job where I, like, would know yeah. I was doing, I could plan my life. But, of course... Of course, I'm, I don't really mean that, but there's something that seems so tra- attractive about that. Knowing when you're going to get paid, being able to like schedule family vacations, um, you know, showing up when people need you and not being out of town for like your friend's baby shower. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's been really, you know, there's so many great rewards, but the, the hard, the consequences have been like, yes, there were like months where I didn't make very much money and I was like really, 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 really broke, you know? 2008 was the worst. It was like a really, really rough year with the economy and, you know, it was just rough. And then mm-hmm. weirdly the next year, it was like the most, I made the most money I ever made in my career. So it's, it's, it doesn't stop. The hustle never stops. You're only as good as your last job. I mean, every day you're walking into work, it's like the first day of school. You have to be on, you cannot be mm-hmm. sick. You cannot be late. You cannot have a doctor's appointment. You cannot have a uh, like a root canal emergency. I mean, you can't. You have to be there, and so it's just you. You, you cannot cancel. And if you, you know, pe- people ask you, oh, "Come to my wedding in August," 
you're like, maybe, I, I don't know. And because if you have a job that goes over that, you know, I always tend to take the job, which is, you know, maybe it's, you know, it's like Sophie's choice of family and friends or job. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really hard. It's still not easy. And, um, I know I missed a lot of important events for different friends and family and, you know, I took the job. Like I went, like I got to go to Bali, but I didn't get to be in, you know, someone's, I didn't get to go to someone's wedding, but I got to go to Bali for like a two week, really big job. So that was, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, it's, but it's really hard and, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with your money. And, um, it's a crazy, it's a crazy way to live now that I'm like been doing it long enough. Um, I only in the last couple of years have I like kind of calmed down a little bit with worrying so much about what the next job is. And, but, um, I know really famous makeup artists that are still like worried about their shoots. Cause you're only like, like I said, as good as your last job, you know? So, and, and especially now with so much newness and the Instagram and social, like everything has to be new. Like who, no one cares about your, your, you know, your job you did two months ago. It's like, what are you doing today? So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's like really increased. And so anyway, it's so interesting to me that um, the way you talk about that topic, because for me, so I've been on my, you know, running a business for 10 years and I was freelancing a little bit before that. Um, the idea of financial insecurity, like that kind of weight on my shoulders never goes away, even when things are okay. Like I always feel like lurking right around the corner. So are we not going to get paid on time? You know, mm-hmm. or I don't know, whatever, our payables and receivables are going to be mm-hmm. like, you know, kosher. And what's so interesting about the way you just spoke about it is, you know, without missing a, a beat, you were able to point to like the worst year financially in your business, right? So it's something you think about, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. that 2008 stuff. So I know that there was a year for me, I don't think it was 2008, but where the babysitter who like worked like literally like six hours for us in the afternoon, like three days a week, made more money than I did that year. Um, you know, oh, just from yeah. like very part-time babysitting. So it's so interesting to me how people like us who live this lifestyle, like, you know, it kind of never leaves this kind of weight and pressure. And um, I do long for at moments like the, the job where there's regularity, where a paycheck just like lands every <laughs> two weeks. And I don't even think about it. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, it, the go-to job for me would be, um, the person in Penn Station who's calling the tracks, like track one for, right. you know, and like, you read the list because like right. it's always the same, like this like sense of like rhythm and, um, you know, repetition and like right. she knows she's going to call track one for the 608, right? Like <laughs> she knows it's going to happen. Um, uh, maybe it's delayed, right? Maybe she has to say, you know, we're on standby <laughs> for track one, but, um, you know, then it fades away and I realize I have control over my time, right? And um, right. how I spend my time. So I guess let's dive. I know I want to um, talk for um, a few minutes about what you're doing now, which is like kind of leaving the freelancer world and embarking into kind of another level of entrepreneurship, which is actually running a full-fledged business with product, which I think probably has a lot of the same, you know, emotional challenges as the freelancer lifestyle. So it seems like you've primed yourself well to um, run a beauty brand in a sense that you're used to, um, that kind of craziness. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's different, right? Now you're producing products. Now you're um, 
having an overhead, right? Um, mm-hmm. It used to be just you and your kit, right? You and your kit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's other things. So can you talk about how that transition has been for you in terms of like how you kind of organize your time and, you know, manage your headspace? That's such a great question. Um, I, 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 I don't think I've figured it out completely. I'm still, you know, figuring it out. It's like a day to day kind of thing where I'm like, okay, it's switching to makeup artist brain and then oh, switching to the business brain and kind of going back and forth. Um, so I, I, I know this kind of seems silly, but what I think one of the biggest challenges has been that I'm, I, I, in my day job, I am used to getting, I get a call sheet. I know where I'm going. I show up. I do my job. It's tangible. We've made pictures. And then I wrap my kid up and I leave and the job is done. And so there's a sense of like beginning, middle and end. And it's like done and accomplished. And so it's, it's, and then on to the next. Whereas with business, it's just these like a very long project or like you're working on developing an eyeliner. I mean, just one eyeliner will take you months. And it's just a sense of like, you're never completely done. And there's like a lot of different um, balls in the air. And it's just a totally different way of how I've worked for the last 20 years. So it's taken me a minute to be like, oh, okay. And then um, kind of figuring out how to get into that rhythm and also um, how to use um, my time too. So it's been, it's been very challenging. Um, So I've been, you know, I'll be like on set and then at lunch, I'll schedule like a meeting with the lawyer, or whoever, mm-hmm. the, the lab, and then like have like a 30 minute, you know, meeting and then try to follow up, um, you know, after work, you know, with emails and stuff. So it's, it is very challenging, but, um, so it's been, it's been very challenging. It's been interesting. I feel like I've learned so much and, um, I have anyone that wants to start a business, I'm like, call me. Cause I will tell you like all the pitfalls and the challenges, you know, what to do and, um, but I've just been trying to keep my head down and focus on keeping the product really beautiful, knowing what I have control over, which is keeping the product beautiful and promoting and, you know, doing, um, doing the best I can in, in that way. But, um, you know, it's, it's, um, cha- it's challenging having your own business. It's, it's a different thing where you're also 24 seven, you know, you're thinking about it and you can't re- really ever, there's no real downtime from it, you know? Right. It's like um, a puppy, right? Like you have to feed it right. and you have to Absolutely. walk it. And of course mm-hmm. you want to show it love and attention. And then you realize that it's two o'clock in the morning and it's time to go to sleep. Right. <laughs> right. Um, tell um, me a little bit about um, mentoring. You, um, when we first talked, you revealed to me that you have asked advice um, of someone who's super well-known in our business and um, she's really willing to help you. Can you walk us through a little bit about what it's like to, you know, approach somebody who's super established in this business and actually um, have it pay off? Well, yes. And you know, what's interesting is that I'm sure like you have people that are asking you for advice and you, you, you're like, I've got all this stuff in my head now and I would love to share it with someone. I think, I think, especially women entrepreneurs are, are very um, generous with their um, it's, it's, women are that way. Anyway, I think we're very, you know, caring and um, 
I don't want to use the term mothering, but we're, we like to share women do. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting that I have reached out to many different women um, who have been established and they're extremely generous with their time and, and their words and their advice. And so it's been really fantastic. But when I do reach out to people, I um, like the, the main, my main, my main woman that I talk to, I make sure that I'm like hyper-focused, like these are the questions and like keep it focused because they have very little time and I want to just get the information, be grateful, you know, and then like always follow up and explain what I did or what happened. So, so it's also beneficial for them too, knowing that they're not just wasting their time talking to me, you know? So. Right. Because um, you're following through, right? You're actually like heeding their advice or mm-hmm. doing it. Right. I mean, yes, isn't there a difference yeah. between somebody who, you know, approaches you, I'm mean, sure plenty of people approach you and ask you about your career. And then like you see them two years later, they're like, you know, in the same place, right. They haven't done anything or tried anything or, you know, you know, right. outside of their comfort zone. So right. I'm particularly amazed when people come to me, ask me questions and like follow through, follow up. Um, that's somebody I actually like want to work with, right? <laughs> like, you know, um, that's somebody I'd want to do business with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, there's a real difference between, I think, people asking for help and people actually, like, taking advantage of the help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, I mean, I guess that's a, a piece of advice for anyone looking to approach, you know, someone who's done what they want right. to do or, like, been in their shoes that mm-hmm. um, I think until you're really ready to do it, um, wait. I think wait, wait, right. wait. You know, you don't want to waste those connections, Right. Right. Well, it's funny that you say that because now I'm I'm saying this. It's like jogging my memory of all the people over the years that said they wanted to get into makeup or whatever. And I've been very generous with my time and talking and, you know, going makeup shopping, even like helping them build their kit. And then nothing, ne- never hear from them again. And it's just very strange, you know, very strange. So it's right, not everyone has people, that follow through. Yeah, they're not ready or they're mm-hmm. not I mean, I guess some people need to see what it's like and then they realize, oh, it's not really for me, like makeup shopping or like figuring out, you know, which black eyeliner is the best one to use, you know, in, you know, moist weather, <laughs> you know, like maybe it's not that right. interesting to them. Um, but I think even a follow-up to be like, I've learned so much from you and I realize this isn't for me, I think that still, you know, shows some sort of quality that you'd right. you'd respect. Um I think the follow-up is really, really important. It is. Res- mm-hmm. I think it's about respect, right? Respect right. for your time and your generosity. Right. Right. Well, um, Tracy, this has been so incredibly interesting, and you have such an awesome journey, and I'm sure our listeners of all ages are just amazed by um, how you've been able to keep moving forward, find what feels right, and um, keep at it, and then, of course, to launch your own brand and um, be promoting it on QVC and other places is so incredible. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thank you so much for for chatting and um, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.